Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Sends Our Podcast. It's Shane alongside Derek. And just a friendly reminder, DraftKings, your number one shop for your daily fantasy hockey or fantasy sports need. Super easy to do. Pick six players, stay under the salary cap, collect points, and win prizes. You can use promo code THPN to get uh, entries into multiple different prizes. Totally simple, easy to use. Uh, download the app on your phone at DraftKings and then use promo code THPN. And honestly, if you're a betting man, you should have taken the over against Montreal on Tuesday night because, god damn, that was a high-scoring game. Then the last time we scored that many outside of the Toronto game was the Edmonton loss, which, I mean, that hurt more because we scored five and we still ended up losing. What during watching the game, what was your reaction seeing some of the goals that we let in and some of the goals that we scored? Uh, I mean, starting with the goals that were you know let in, I don't know if any one in particular was necessarily a bad goal. So I don't know if you can look back at the game and say, you know, Matt Murray played poorly in this area or should have stopped this shot. Um, I thought he stopped the ones that he should have stopped and let in the ones that probably should have went in. I mean, the unfortunate deflection off Zaitsev's skate that Weber scores and then Weber gets his second and, you know, Weber can score from there. He's one of the few guys that has a shot that can beat you cleanly when you let him, uh, you know, time and space to let that one-timer go. Uh, it's a scary-looking shot. So, um, yeah, there's there's not too many in particular, even the Toffoli goal. Um, it is what it is. He's probably going to score from there. He beat Brandstrom pretty cleanly around Brandstrom, gets in, scores the goal. He's a goal scorer. Those are the guys that should beat you. So no problem with the ones we let in. Um, on the opposite side, it was uh, really up and down for Carey Price. I thought he made uh, quite a few saves, maybe, you know, maybe up to five saves that could have easily went in. And then the ones that beat him could have easily been stopped. So uh, a bit of a up and down effort from him. It's been that way all season from Carey Price. Um, obviously, they're expecting more, and it was uh, it was a huge win. It was just an exciting game from a Sens fan perspective. We're seeing this young core come together before our eyes, and uh, it's a great thing. Yeah, I agree. I think overall the game was good. The, the bounce back after giving up a three one lead was huge. Uh, yeah, they dropped down to four three. They came back to tie it, but obviously, you know the the topic of discussion no goal or goal what is your take on it before we dive into everything else what is your what's your take on it yeah that's a tough one Shane I'm that's one that's you know I'm seeing 50 50 basically split down the middle from Sens fans obviously if you're a Habs fan that's no goal um you know I I look at it like if that happened to Ottawa that's how I have to look at the situation I would be livid I would be pissed um you know, Matt Murray gets bumped. And when you put it in slow motion, it looks even worse. I'll say that. Uh, Matt Murray gets bumped by Gallagher, who was arguably pushed in. I don't think he was really pushed in. Gallagher goes there anyway. That's besides the fact to me, though. Matt Murray, to me, had plenty of time to recover. And I know he spun around. So, you know, the argument is that his vision was not able to sort of reset it itself and find the, the puck. He was playing extremely deep in his net. If that goal counted, that would be the one goal that I would blame on Matt Murray. It didn't count. In my mind, it should have counted. Um, you know, it, it went to Toronto and Toronto decided it didn't count. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. I thought 
what a horrible way to end such a good game that Ottawa played. What a horrible way to end. You know, Eric Branstrom gets beat clean by Toffoli. And that, to me, was like a, a turning point because he was getting, to me, he wasn't getting enough minutes before that. And he had scored his first NHL goal before that. So it was a, a tough moment. And then that play happens at the end of the game. And I thought, wow, what a horrible, horrible way to end such a good game. But uh, obviously, it turned around. Look, the, the call to me was wrong. It, that was a long-winded answer, but the call was wrong. But we'll take it. What, what do you think about it? Uh, so I read the explanation to it, uh, you know, and you watch it real time. You can, it looks like uh, Gallagher kicks his leg out behind him and, and kind of forces Murray to spin and whatnot. And I guess what the league saw was because Murray was tracking the puck and because the puck was moving, he couldn't regain sight of the puck. And he couldn't, in that sense, couldn't reset. So, personally, I think it should have been a goal. I I agree that, you know, I think he gets hit at, like, there's, like, seven seconds left. The goal goes in at, like, three seconds left. Yeah. Four seconds should be enough to, to reset. But I guess the other thing was that because of Gallagher was in the top of the crease, he took where Murray was originally. And that was probably the deciding factor was he did impede on Murray's uh, reset. You know, the NHL has been super inconsistent, and it comes back yesterday. I don't know if you watched the Calgary-Toronto game. From from what I saw, Toronto deserved to win. Oh, excuse me. Toronto deserved to win that game. They were the better team. They had the better chances. Mm -hmm. Riddick played great. They deserved to win. But the tying goal, Heinemann just stood in the crease. Literally didn't move, just stood in the crease. My opinion is, if you're in the crease at all, play should be blown dead. I don't care. It should be blown dead. You're in the crease. There's a reason why there's a blue paint. I hate the, I hate how players can dive into the crease and whatnot. You're putting goalies at risk. In my opinion, there should, and in that way, it shouldn't have counted. But in in the rules, I think it's a good goal. Obviously, you know the NHL didn't think so, and at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Yeah, like I said, we'll definitely take it. And it was so fun watching three on three overtime again. I mean. Uh, when when it was a tie game, I was so excited, uh, you know, with a couple minutes left to watch three on three again because we have such an exciting group for three on three overtime that it makes yeah. it, you know, it makes it fun to watch. Yeah, and I know you mentioned Branstrom. So yesterday we all saw it. Branstrom was sent down to the yeah. taxi squad, and people lost their minds. People were absolutely <laughs> losing their minds. Oh, why Branstrom? Why is Branstrom being sent down? Well, three minutes ago, Sense Communications just uh, tweeted out. Uh, Eric Branstrom and Matthew Pekka have been recalled from the taxi squad. Uh, Derek Stepan has put it been put on IR like we all expected. And Logan Brown has been recalled from the taxi recalled from Belleville to the taxi squad, which in my opinion means that he's healthy or getting healthy. And we could probably see him make his debut within the next couple of games. So, I know Branstrom only had two shifts after that Toffoli goal, one of them being in overtime, and he had a couple of chances. You know, were you worried at all when you saw Branstrom going down to the taxi squad yesterday, or were you one of those ones that were like, ah, no, nah, yeah. it's fine, he'll be back up? No, I thought it was a financial move. I thought, you know, they, they keep making these moves. If, if you pay attention to it, I mean, guys are getting sent down and back up all the time, so I didn't overreact. I've seen a, a bunch of people overreact. And then I did see some people comment and say it's probably more of uh, just a 
money move situation. They're sending guys down. They're bringing them back up. Um, you know, I, I don't know contractually what that actually does and financially what that actually does. Um, but to me, it's just logistics. And, um, you know, the senators probably know a lot more of what they're doing uh, than than we kind of know as fans on the outside. So uh, I didn't overreact. I was expecting him to get recalled and brought back up. I don't think I, I don't know or don't think that he'll sit. Maybe they play with Lannon for a game and uh, Brandstrom sits, but uh, he just scored his first NHL goal. So hopefully he becomes a regular. I know it didn't help his cause after he got walked by Toffoli, but his deployment, as I said earlier, it was inconsistent. So, Yeah, I mean, the Toffoli goal, like give Toffoli credit. That was a veteran move on a rookie defenseman, lifting his stick while making the move. Like, you know, it's not Gustafson or Good Branson being, you know, walked around by Perry, right? It's a rookie defenseman who is who just got beat by a veteran goal scorer. I don't think it really mattered. I just think it's the fact that Riley and Shabbat are just playing better or have gained DJ Smith confidence more because uh, Zub only had three shifts after the 10-minute mark. And that's including the 10. Like, from 10 minutes onward, he only had three shifts because when it's a, it's a close game, you tend to shorten your bench, put out the people you trust. Unfortunately for... Branstrom and Zub, they haven't gained that trust yet. It's going to come in time, but I think people were a little overreacting when it came to his ice time after the goal. It's just tie game. You're down, or you're down by one. You're going to put out the guys you trust more. I, I'm not. I wasn't overly concerned about it. He got. If he didn't trust him, he wouldn't have put him in in overtime. That's my thinking. I'm not too worried now. I mean, at the start of the season, it was different when we seen the handling of some of the young players. I was a little bit resistant to DJ Smith, but what we have seen over the course of this season is that DJ Smith just eases his guys into the lineup. And eventually, like you said, when that trust is built and when they've kind of earned their keep and earned their spot, he gives them ice time. I mean, uh, if you look at Stutzla alone, Batherson, like two guys, Norris, three guys, that their ice time went from, you know, 10 to 12 minutes at the start of the season. They're playing like close to 18, 19 minutes a night now. And they're consistently out there. They're on the ice all the time, and he trusts them. So I think the same thing will happen with Eric Brandstrom. It's just a matter of him like, earning his ice time. He has to limit his mistakes. Uh, some of the glaring mistakes, like the one that we saw last game, uh, has to come out of his game first, and then I'm sure we'll see him get the ice time. Yeah, I mean, I think we we were forget that DJ Smith has has challenged the young players. Like, if you want this ice time – you're going to have to come in and you're going to have to take it. You're, you're going to have to earn the ice time. And he's challenged them, you know, consistently throughout the season. And it's worked. You know, we've seen Norris step up, Batherson step up, Stutzla step up, and they've accepted those challenges. And they've started to move veterans out of the lineup, Paquette and Galchenyuk being traded, you know. So I don't think DJ – I think DJ Smith is a lot better coach than we've given him credit for just because the results weren't there early. If we win – for example, it's the Cole Julian being fired, right? If Montreal wins the other night, he probably doesn't get fired. You know, if he may, if he wins a couple more games, he doesn't get fired. If we win those two games against Winnipeg, uh, you know, we win a game here, like you know, between uh, Vancouver that was we could have won, stuff like that. People have a different narrative. It's all about results, and if something doesn't go your way and the results start to falter against you, people are going to turn until those results switch. I think that's kind of what's happening with DJ Smith, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It's not even close to where we were at the start of the season. 
And I think you said it best, like earlier on in the season, you were saying like, you know, there's no preseason this year. And this is a really young coach. As much as these are young players, this is also a young coach who hasn't even coached a full NHL season technically because they didn't get to finish the regular season last year. They were off for 310 days before they played a game this year. Um, So it really was kind of a feeling out process. DJ feeling out his team, his team feeling out DJ Smith. But I think we've arrived at a nice kind of mutual understanding between the team, between DJ Smith. um, and, And we're seeing... To me, we're seeing a pretty good coach. I don't have a major problem with uh, with anything he's doing. I'll complain about the odd, you know, deployment issues and and little things, systems issues that don't necessarily all fall on DJ Smith. You have to understand that there's a full team of coaching staff, and some people are responsible for special teams, you know, power play, PK, which which the PK has improved drastically as well. That's another area. Uh, that we can touch on from that series. But uh, the power play as well is looking much better. Agreed. I mean, that first power play unit, even the second power play unit has been going strong. And I think with DJ, you know, the Kachuk, uh, Kachuk Norris and Connor Brown line have started to get going. They've started to match. They've had a lot of chances that they just couldn't finish. We've seen Paul White, Dadunov kind of gel and create offense and and be good defensively. It At the timing of this injury for Stepan, it sucks. It hurts the team a lot because he was starting to find his game playing between Stutzla and Batherson consistently. You know, Tierney is going to have, uh, should fill in that hole to start with. Like probably we should expect tonight to slot in between Stutzla and Batherson. If Logan Brown jumps into that lineup and slots in between those two, I don't think Logan Brown is going back to the Belleville. They could definitely carry him. It'll be really interesting. It, it'll be interesting to see because I feel like Stutzla and Batherson were definitely driving the offense for Derek Stepan. Now, Stepan made a terrific play last game. Yeah, before he got hurt. I thought it was two games ago. No, it was uh, the very first goal last game yeah. right away. Uh, really nice feather pass to Batherson, hit him in stride. And then, of course, Batherson goes to his backhand. Poor read by Kot Kinyemi on the play. Like he totally missed Batherson and it kind of looks good that it was Kotkin Yemi because that's who they chose over Brady Kachuk, which was just a mind numbing decision, but thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like you said, Stepan was in the last few games, he was starting to fit in. I noticed him a lot more offensively. Uh, he was starting to find his game and now, you know, uh, Simmer reporting that he could be out like four to six months with surgery. So basically uh, we would not see Stepan in a Sens uniform again. Um, you know, I, I kind of highlighted the positive for Stepan is that he gets to be reunited with his young family. He just had his, his first child. His and, third child. Oh, third, third child. So he's got three kids at home. And I think they're all under the age of like six. You know, you know what it's like. I mean, your wife is not going to be too pleased with you if you're out all the time and, you know, she's having to do everything. So for Stepan... Yeah, it, it definitely sucks NHL career-wise, but these are players that make millions of dollars. This is a guy who, you know, at the end of the day, really wanted to be reunited with his family and to probably help out around the home. And there's a lot of stress and pressure on these guys when they're away from their families. So uh, there's a bit of a feel-good story in there somewhere for Derek Stepan. Aside from that, Logan Brown, I'm looking forward to him getting an opportunity, if in fact he does, with uh, Stutzla and Batherson. That could be a fantastic line. Yeah, and I think this is the the chance that um, uh, 
that Brown needs. Honestly, like we need to, this is the opportunity. He gets to play with some players. He's had success with in Batherson, Batherson. And then he has a chance to play with a high end talent instead. So like he needs to capitalize on this chance. If he doesn't capitalize on this chance, cut bait, trade him, get rid of him. I don't care. He's not going to be an NHL player. If he can't capitalize playing with these two players. Well, I mean, before this injury, according to Bruce Garriock, I mean, the senators were looking to cut bait anyway. So I mean, I kind of thought he had played his last game as a center. And then, you know, lo and behold, here's a big injury uh, up the middle of the ice. And now they need someone like Logan Brown, unless they want to play Anisimov regularly in the lineup, which I don't think they do. Um, you know, here's an opportunity once again for Logan Brown uh, to make a statement and maybe make a stance. And if any, if nothing else, if he plays well and the senators are still interested in moving on from him and he wants to move on from the organization, at least he'll up his trade value. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, and another thing, so Sean, Sean Simpson has me blocked on the sends our podcast account. And I have no idea why, like I have no idea what I did. There's a lot of things I disagreed with, but like, that's it. <laughs> that's I, why I, I don't, I don't know why he blocked me, but I, I don't have him blocked on one of my other, like on my personal account. Uh, but he tweeted out uh, about nine minutes ago that JBD is absolutely, he's told that JBD is absolutely turning pro when the UND season ends. So expect them to see, like expect to see him in the lineup at some point this season. Personally, I don't know how, like, I believe that JBD will turn pro. I think Pinto will turn pro. I just don't see them playing in the lot, like quarantine wise and whatnot, you know, I think they might, depending on how the, the schedule works and whatnot, they could only have like six games left in the season. Yeah. I don't I don't really see any of them playing in Ottawa this year. Maybe. I mean, yeah, you got to think of quarantine. And then the, the problem with the quarantine is now they haven't skated for 14 days. So they have to somehow get back. It's the same thing with Dezingle, right? Like it seems like we acquired him forever ago. He technically can't even play until March 1st, but he's not going to play March 1st because he needs to get his legs back under him. He needs to learn the systems, uh, practice a few times. You know, it, it might take until the middle of March before this guy sees a, a game in a Sens sweater. And it's the same thing with these two, with uh, Pinto and JBD. Yeah, they might be turning pro this, you know, at the end of this season, but you, are, are, is it worth it to get them up here for two, three games at the end of the year? Maybe. I mean, it'd be a cool sample to see what they could do at the NHL level. Um, they'll be here next year, though. Yeah, I mean, they'll either in Ottawa or in Belleville. I don't mm-hmm. see. I mean, they could obviously challenge for a spot, and nothing holding it against it. But I wouldn't be surprised if both of them don't start the their season in Belleville next year, unless they come in and have a solid super camp. I just don't see it happening. But if JBD goes pro and Pinto goes pro. Do you feel like Sanderson might go pro? Do you feel like that's kind of in the the realm of possibilities? I don't expect Clevin to go pro. I really don't. I think he's going to be someone who maybe takes two, three years, uh, kind of at the end of his junior year, like JBD to go pro. But Sanderson could easily end up in Belleville next year. Yeah, that one will be Sanderson's choice, really. I mean, I think if it were up to the Senators, they'd probably want him in Belleville, in Belleville or Ottawa uh, next year. But... Uh, you know, it, it really is about the schooling with Sanderson. I think he said before he was drafted that, um, you know, he he wasn't going to rush his uh, decision into coming into the NHL too early. He wanted to take his time and uh, and he wanted to earn a degree. So 
I mean, schooling wise, I mean, I think Sanderson could be there for a couple of more years if he decides to. Is he NHL ready next year? Probably. He's such a smart player. He's physically mature. Like there's really nothing holding him back from becoming an NHLer. Um, but except for himself, I mean, he may not want to become an NHLer right away. And I don't think the impact of his peers coming to Ottawa will really weigh so much on his decision that it will waver his decision. I think he's a really smart kid. He's a mature kid and he's a driven kid who wants to do what he wants to do. And I have no problem with it really. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, I would love to see him kind of anchor that UND blue line next year and anchor the world junior uh, team USA blue line, probably with the C on his sweater, at least an A on that sweater. So personally, I would have no issue with uh, him going back to UND for a year, but it's definitely something we're going to have to keep an eye on for the remainder of their season and remainder of our season because it is a possibility. But going back to the Montreal series, uh, you know, Batherson had points. Norris had a couple points. Kachuk was on fire. Uh, Stutzla looked good. This is exactly what we want to see from our, our core. But was there a player that kind of disappointed you during that two-game set where you kind of looked at it and were like, Man, I, I really expected more from you in this series. Actually, before this series started, Evgeny Dadanov was riding a real hot hand, and he looked really good. And then the Montreal series came along, and I thought the puck kind of died on his stick several times. He didn't look very enthusiastic. Kind of looked like the Dadanov that we've seen again at the start of the season. Um, so if there's anyone that really disappointed Dadnov, I think White's cooled down a little bit. We were, you know, pretty high on him coming in. He's still playing well on that on that trio line with uh, Dadnov and Paul, but I thought Paul was the only real effective player on that uh, on that trio in this series. Yeah, that's for sure. I think you know White had chances. There was a couple of times where he just missed the net. Like he had, you know, a tip that kind of graced the back of the net. But I agree that they were that line was relatively quiet during the two games. For me, it was Mike Riley. You know, oh yeah, he, yeah. Agreed. He had a couple of mistakes, especially in the first game leading to the first goal. He was quiet, but I was kind of expecting more from him. Uh, and I just, I, I did, he had a good game. Like, don't get me wrong. Like if you rewatch the games, he played good. He had a really, he played well. He had good games, but I don't know. I was just expecting more in it from him and Zub, and it just wasn't there, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And it's the same kind of thing with Dadnov that I was talking about where, you know, prior to the series, this was arguably the Sens' best D pairing. And then they come in and they they just look rather inconsistent. And Riley had quite a few blatant giveaways. And I agree with you there. He just wasn't very strong in the series whatsoever. Uh, Zub, to me, Zub has been one of the more consistent defensemen. Uh, but he's more of a, you know, a guy that's uh, more of a complimentary guy on a D pairing. Like, he's not really the guy breaking it out. He's the guy who's quietly kind of riding in the background, making all the smart decisions and the right plays. Uh, he did end up with an assist, I believe, in the first game against the Canadians. So he, he was on the score sheet. But uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, I, I agree with you. That pairing wasn't nearly as effective as it had been previously. Yeah, and I mean, the for me, the biggest positive was Branstrom. How he kind of, especially the first game without Shabbat, he kind of started to control the play. He had the end-to-end -end rush where he narrowly missed uh, Watson for uh, for that one-timer opportunity that could have easily ended into a goal. 
But, you know, he definitely looked like the guy that we expected him to be when we traded Stone for him. Yeah, and that's a huge positive sign. For me, the best the best player in this series was Drake Batherson. I mean, uh, he's a guy who was gripping it a little bit tightly coming in. He got a fortunate bounce uh, in the first one. And then in, in the last game, he just took over and he was very special to watch. He was great. Um, some of those cross seam passes that he can do on the power play, him and Stutzla can both do them. They can find each other in a phone booth right now that they're really, really good. Uh, that was a horrible analogy. <laughs> That's not the right analogy, but um, they could find each other in traffic. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there's a better analogy out there, but uh, either way, my point stands that uh, Batherson and Stutzla on the power play are both really special, and I noticed them a whole bunch. Stutzla could have had a hat trick easily. Like he was robbed, I don't know how many times by Carey Price. So it was nice to see him score in the shootout. But how many chances did he get? Holy cow. I think he had like four or five good opportunities. I just, Price either made a save or he whiffed on. Yeah, there was a couple of times he hit the side of the net instead of hitting the net uh, on the power play on those cross seam passes from Drake Batherson. So uh, you see them go back and forth on them. I know the game previous, Stutzla hit Batherson on the tape with a beautiful pass and he whiffed on it too. So, I mean, when they start finishing those, it's going to be special. Those are two special players. Oh, 100%. And you know what's funny? Last episode, we talked about how they weren't setting up the one-timers. And last game, all they were doing was setting up one-timers. They had flipped them on the opposite off-swing to set up those one-timer opportunities. And it almost worked. It, it worked. it almost worked a couple of times. And I think with this team, like, they're a very young team. Like, everyone's, like, basically 24 and under right now. These guys are going to learn how to finish at the NHL level. And once they do, especially Stutzla this is going to be a very dynamic team that can win games with its offensive power. Like this is going to be a better version of the early mid two thousands Ottawa senators team. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, the coaching staff's coming up and the the players are coming up kind of simul simultaneously here. And uh, I botched that word too, but uh, they're, they're coming up together and uh, you know, have we reached sort of the height of where it's going to be this season? Or do you think there's another level higher that this team could get? Because right now, this team, if they were playing this way at the start of the season, which would have been impossible with the new group formed together, but let's say, you know, in a dream scenario, they're playing this well at the start of the season, they could probably be in the playoff, uh, in the playoff picture in the North Division right now. Oh, easily. I think the, like, this isn't the ceiling for this year. I think if we can work on capitalizing on our, on the opportunities, we could easily go on a run. If we can go on like a run, you know, beating Calgary, if we can win this series against Calgary, we play Montreal next Tuesday on a back-to-back, -back, on a second end of a back-to-back. -back. If we can get another point there, we could easily see ourselves climbing up the ladder in terms of the standings. And we could be, you know, in the middle of March, end of March, being in that conversation for the fourth, you know, Montreal sliding. So who knows how far they slide. They have a series against Winnipeg. It's all very up in the air, but we could easily see ourselves heading into April fighting for a playoff spot, depending on how we continue playing. Yeah, I think the first step is getting out of the basement of the league. <laughs> so that'll be, you know, step number one. But there's definitely a lot of teams that are reeling. Uh, the Calgary Flames are a team we're going to, you know, set up probably after the break. But uh, that's a team that's pretty fragile right now, too. They're at 500. 
Um, there's definitely lots of rumors swirling about, you know, all of their players being made available. So uh, Treliving kind of dampered the, the, I guess, the heat around the rumors right now. But uh, I don't know how real that is either, if the right offer came along for one of their players. But they want to mix up their group. They're a 500 team. They expected to be way better, and they were much better at the start of the year. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is a team that could do well. I think depending on how... I think if they lose this series to Montreal, there will be changes. To Ottawa, yeah. Yeah, like if they lose this series to Ottawa, even if they win one game, if they lose two out of three of these games and only get two points there will be serious changes because you're going to look at Ottawa jumping from 13 points to 17 points um, with you have a game in hand, but you're up, but you have three points up, you know, there's a very big chance that there's going to be changes if you lose this series and you fall behind Vancouver at some point over the next week. Does it mean something more with these teams losing to Ottawa than it does to other teams in the league? Yes, 100%. Because this is a this is a, a division that people thought they would just run away and hide from Ottawa. Like Ottawa was going to get a couple of wins here and there because obviously you can't lose every game. But for the most part, everyone thought Ottawa was going to get dominated. And obviously, early in the season, we had our games where we looked at it and we're like, "Damn, like we just sucked." But overall, like we've we've held our own against Vancouver uh, against Toronto, where a couple of bounces here and there, the the scores are different. Uh, outside of that 5-1 comeback. We held our own against Montreal. We've held our own relatively well against Winnipeg. We've held, we've outside of some Saudi goaltending, we've done well against Edmonton. Our only struggle was against Vancouver, really. If we can make those changes, we have those series coming up. If we can get back those games, we'll be fine. And those teams should be looking at it being like, damn, we were expected to to fight for the playoffs, put make a playoff push, and we're struggling. It, it's concerning as an organization. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I think, you know, the more the season progresses, if we see the Senators play this way, because, I mean, if you watch the games, even the ones they were losing, a lot of the times they were, uh, you know, ahead in the possession numbers. They were leading in shots. Um, they actually looked like a pretty decent team. Um, you know, as the season progresses, I think, more teams are going to put more respect on the Ottawa Senators. Um, So we'll actually see, you know, teams that aren't necessarily playing their backup every time they play the Sens and kind of taking a night off uh, every time they play the Sens, thinking it's just an easy two points. And um, they're going to have to respect them. And the Sens are kind of forcing teams to respect them right now. They've embarrassed a couple of teams. They've embarrassed the Leafs uh, with a six, five come from behind victory. They've embarrassed the Canadians. They've won what three of four against Montreal so far. Yep. And could have easily been, you know, four for four against Montreal. I mean, it could have been easily, they were all one goal games. Like every game we played against Montreal has been a one goal game. Yeah. Which does not look again, doesn't look good on the Montreal Canadians who are expecting to be at the right at the top of the North division who were at the top of the North division and have now started to stumble. So yeah, I I agree. It does mean more to teams losing against Ottawa and losing a series against Ottawa than just losing against any other team in the North Division. Yeah, and it's going to be very interesting because we play Calgary five times in the next week and a bit. Uh, We play Edmonton right after that, and then we have a game against Toronto, and then we're playing Vancouver. Play Calgary. Like We have guys in this month 
where if we can win against Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, we play Toronto twice and Montreal twice as well. This is a month that can either make or break our season. You know, I think at the start of the year, we looked at the North Division as this big, scary monster that was almost unbeatable for the Ottawa Senators. And as the season progresses, Ottawa's fit right in. So, you know, they're just becoming a part of that. And the North Division does not, to me, it doesn't look as strong anymore. I mean, I think I think the problem with the North Division is that it's very, it's very like tight. There's not outside of Toronto, who's kind of run away and hid. You know, they're eight points up on Edmonton for first, which I think most people expected. You know, there's six points that uh, split. You know, fifth and second, and there's only three point or four points that split fourth from second. It's a very tight knit. Uh, division you know and uh, Montreal and Winnipeg also have ga- two games in or three games in hand over Edmonton who sits second and you know Mont- and Toronto who sits first but it's a very tight-knit group you're not going to win a lot of series you know if Ottawa could have you know taken a win from Edmonton and taken a win from Vancouver we're looking at a completely different situation even Winnipeg where we win one of those games like we're looking at a completely different situation and that's why losing or these losses are so impactful and losing so many in a row can end up hurting a team, especially like a team like Montreal. If they continue to lose, they can be be on the outside looking in relatively quick. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, losses that should have been wins. I mean, the Senators have had a few of those. They're definitely detrimental when you look at the standings and when you're playing the same teams all the time. And those teams, you're giving them two points. You're sacrificing the two points. Uh, every game becomes a four-point game that we used to have with interdivision play, but now that's every game. So that's why you know the standings are such an interesting thing to watch in every division, but uh, in the North Division especially, with that balance being so close. Yeah, it's been it's ridiculous that like even overall, it's been a relatively close year. There's no one again. Toronto's kind of started to run away and hide from the league, which most people probably expected being in the Canadian division. But, you know, if you look at the Discover Central, uh, Chicago has has played 20 games at 24 points, but Carolina, Tampa, and Florida are all within, like, a point of each other, and Tampa has a game in hand over Carolina and Florida. Like, the divisions have been relatively close all year, which, I mean, if you're the NHL, you kind of like, because by the time you hit no, February or April, you know, you're going to see these games ramp up and you're going to head into a very, very intense playoffs. Absolutely. And and the hate, I mean, you see the hate, I mean, just in this Montreal series alone, um, Kachuk in any other game, he's not running uh charade over and then dropping the mitts and fighting in that situation when they're ahead two goals in the first period. But you could see how much hate these teams have for each other because they keep playing each other. And, you know, that's been something else that's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, and it's just, I think if Ottawa can continue playing like this, we'll be fine and we'll be not battling necessarily for a playoff spot, but we would be battling with the bottom three teams and playing spoiler along the way. So before we take a break and move on to the Calgary series after the break, um, good, bad, ugly. You want to do good, bad, and ugly for the Montreal series as a whole? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll start. We'll start with the good. Uh, the young guys, honestly, just the, the young core as a whole, they stepped up, they started playing well, they've generated a lot of chances, and I think that's exactly what we want to see from the, the team as fans. 
you want to see these young guys not just playing but producing yeah uh, for the good i'm right with you it's the it's the core group of young players we've seen the emergence of eric brandstrom um thomas shabbat returning from injury looking all right um brady kachuk absolutely taking over the next captain of the team by the way has to be brady kachuk just the way oh, that yeah. he plays with that spirit, that emotion, uh, the, the whole smile thing from Stutzla and Kachuk in the penalty box. I mean, these are the the signs and the makings of a great locker room. Um, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, whatever player you want to name, the young core of this team is starting to step up and take over. That's definitely the good. I 100% agree. Yeah, and honestly, that's exactly what we want to see. And I do agree. Kachuk will be the next captain. We've seen it. As much as I like Shabbat, I just don't see him wearing the C in Ottawa. He'll be wearing the A, which is fine. Like, Kachuk has shown that he is the captain. He This is his team. Shabbat's the assistant. That's totally fine. It is what it is. But for me, going to the bad, honestly, it's a lot, it's still the lack of finish. I know we scored four goals against Montreal. Uh, we scored, or we scored, I think, a combined seven goals against Montreal in the, first, in the two games. But we could have had more. There's a lot of chances that we just couldn't capitalize. It allowed Montreal back in to the games. Uh, they ended up tying it and whatnot. For me, the lack of finish is still the bad. Once you finish that up, this team is going to be dominant. Yeah, I mean, very similar. To the bad for me was the, um, the fact that Ottawa surrendered uh, their 3-1 lead. And, you know, eventually Montreal took over to a, a 4-3 lead and Ottawa had to tie the game later on. So uh, so that that's the bad for me. You can't surrender a 3-1 lead. You have to find a way, even as a young team, find a way to lock it down and uh, secure victory. So that's the bad for me. Yeah, they're learning to win those games. They've won a lot of one-goal games, which is exactly what we want to see. For me, I don't even – it's hard to pick an ugly mm -hmm. from this series because we played so well both games. Uh, but I think the ugly still, there's some very, there's still some defensive turnovers where there's a couple of pressure situations where people overreact and make the wrong play. Excuse me. So for me, that's kind of the ugly. It's just our, the inability to exit zones properly at times and getting stuck in our own zone longer than we should. You know, for this one, I'm going to do something a little bit different and take an unbiased look and say the ugly was that uh, disallowed Montreal goal that ultimately would have gave them the victory. I think it was ugly because the league is so inconsistent when it comes to these calls that we have absolutely no clue what the call is going to be. You know, sitting at home, I was absolutely shocked that, that call was overturned and that the Senators got to play overtime, eventually winning in a shootout. Uh, to me, that was the ugly, and it's ugly on the league, not necessarily ugly on the Ottawa Senators. So I'll go yeah. that route. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, Ottawa has been affected by those calls before. Every team, mm -hmm. every fan base in the league can say, oh, you know, we've had those calls go against us. Like, it's unfortunate, but that's the reality. My thinking is, is that, okay, you didn't get the call. What stopped you from going out there in overtime and getting a win? You know, what stopped you from going out there in a shootout and getting the win? You know, use it as an excuse all you want. Like Vegas, and excuse that you know the, the reason why you gave up a four goal in game seven of the playoffs is because of a bad penalty. Penalty didn't caught like the rest didn't let in the four goals, so it's just like, yeah, the, the situation was bad, but you it wasn't like it was it wasn't like you were down one, it wasn't like it was four three 
and that was the tying goal, and you didn't have a chance to get it tied after that. You had a chance to win it, and you didn't. You played it safe. You almost lost it in overtime. Like and got, I, got your coach fired because because he did play it safe. I mean, having to know in on the three on three OT, a guy who hasn't scored a single goal this season in three on three overtime, it would be equivalent to DJ Smith playing Anisimov at this point in the season, three on three overtime. And fans were losing their mind. I've seen, you know, Habs fans were losing their mind all over Twitter. Um, but the fact is, like you said, they got outplayed in this series. They got outplayed in this game. Did they deserve to even be in this game? Absolutely not. Carey Price made probably three to five ten bell saves, and he let in a couple of that shouldn't have went in. I'll, I'll say that. But at the end of the day, Ottawa should have won this series, and they did. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So with that, we're going to go to break. Uh, thank you all for tuning in so far. Remember, uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and, and YouTube. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick break, and we'll be back to talk about the Flame series, which will be a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Like, I like Pinto, and I, I remember everyone, like... And this is the thing that I think Sense fans need to start realizing. We need to stop looking at the draft. We really need to stop looking at a player being like, he was drafted way too early. You know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late? Mark Stone. Six-round pick, and now he's making $9.5 million. Pajot, drafted, I think, in the fifth round and making $5 million. Hoffman... Welcome to the Sense Hour Podcast, your number one source for Sense content, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, hosted by Shane from Ottawa and... And Derek from Muskoka, almost near Leaf Country out here. Um, but I think Clevin was, was right up there because they traded up to get him uh, with the Leafs. And again, they, they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin. But now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like that goal that he scored um, in the third game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from the Twitter scouts, especially. <laughs> Sends our podcast, your number one stop for all your Senators content. New episodes coming at you every Monday and Thursday, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have a good one. Stay safe. Take care. And we are back. Thank you all for joining us. And it is time for our second half of the show. Talk about the Flames. Uh, preview three game sets starting on Thursday night in Ottawa. And then we play Saturday afternoon at 1 and then Monday night at 7 o'clock. They're coming off a very disappointing 2-1 loss. Uh, they got scored on with like under two minutes to go in a one nothing game. They basically kept Toronto shut out up until that point. They lost 2-1 in overtime to William Nylander. Back-to-back goals. This team is should be angry, but I'm not sure who's going to be in that. I don't think they're going to play David Riddick again because he played extremely well. I don't know if Markstrom's back. We could be seeing their AHL goaltender that honestly, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I'm not going to take a stab at it because I haven't seen who this guy is yet, but uh, but I'll take a look and I'll see if I can give it a shot later. But if you've listened to the entire show so far, you know that I've already botched a couple of things, so uh, that might be hard to do. Um, I'm expecting Ottawa to play another solid game. They've got Calgary on a back-to-back here. 
Um, so it's a situation where the Senators could uh, could come out and take advantage of that. Um, we've saw them play a couple of teams on a back-to-back, and I think in both occasions they looked like the better team. Uh, one, I believe, was Winnipeg. One was Montreal. And in both of those games, I believe Ottawa looked like the much better team. So we'll see how that plays into it. Uh, it's not a ton of travel for the Flames, but uh, it's still a back-to-back situation. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting Ottawa to come out firing. I'm expecting Calgary to come out relatively sluggish after the overtime game and whatnot. But like we talked about earlier, this is a must-win game for the Flames. They've kind of spiraled out the last couple of games. They've only won like three out of their last like seven or something like that. They've struggled. I think this this is a game that they need to win to kind of get back on track to to start the momentum again for the organ like for the team. Absolutely, and you know the Flames are in a similar situation like we talked about to Montreal, where um, things are going to start to change if they don't start to win games. Um, they've had that same core intact for quite a few years now. They had one really good season where they finished first, I believe, and after that they just haven't been the same team. They haven't looked the same. They're not putting up the same amount of points. Guys have really slowed down, like Monahan, Gaudreau, uh, Matthew Kachuk has stayed consistent. I think that's the one you know, player that they have in their lineup that's probably stayed more consistent than the other guys. Uh, but some of the other ones have really slowed down uh, and, and they don't pack the same sort of punch that they used to, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of Flames fans asking for Jeff Ward to be fired. So I don't know if maybe there's a coaching situation going on in there where I know he's only been there for a year and a half. He's very much in, a, in the same sense that DJ Smith is. But when you're paying $900,000 to a coach, you get what you pay for at that point, right? I think I've been very, I've been very confident in DJ Smith. I've been very, you know, defendant of him for the most part. I have my own issues with some of the things he's done, but clearly there's an issue in the organization. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the players or the coach, but something needs to give. And maybe they look at moving the core because this, I think this would be their third or fourth coach that they bring in under this same core. So I think it's probably possible that like Monahan and Goudreau are out of there before they fire Ward. And I think we're experiencing some technical difficulties, as always. It always happens in uh, one of these shows where something drops. Um, so Derek just dropped. Um, so, you know, we'll continue it. Um, so we'll be, we'll be right back real quick. We'll take a quick break again. Uh, sorry for the, the inconvenience, but we'll be, we'll be right back. All right, we are back after that little technical difficulty. Wouldn't, hey, it, be a sen- <laughs> wouldn't it be a Sens Hour episode without a technical difficulty? Uh, we were talking about the Flames uh, situation, obviously. Uh, there's going to be changes at some point. Is it a coach or is it a player? We don't know yet. Time will tell. I don't expect any changes this year, to be honest. Yeah, it might be premature. He's fairly new, like you said, to uh, to the Flames, so... Uh, it, you know, he could have a little bit more rope there, but I do believe some of the players could be looked at uh, being moved, whether it's now or in the offseason. 
more likely in the offseason. It's really complicated to work out trades right now with the uh, current situation with quarantining and everything else. And nobody really wants to give up a key piece if they know they can't have a player back for, you know, 14 days plus practice and everything else. So uh, at least in the North Division, it's not easy to move players around. Yeah, that's for sure. Also, I want to play this video real quick. So if you haven't noticed, Otto has the sickos thing going on. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. Um, so if you don't know, James Mellish, he's done a couple of these songs throughout the years. Uh, Matt Botsy has done some of the lyrics. Uh, Broshevsky was the original sicko. Uh, so here's the video that he made, the song that he made. I'm hoping it plays, but I listened to it. It's fantastic. It's super funny. Give it. The sickest player, the sickest team, but you can cure our disease. Call the doctor, call an ambulance, but it's not for me. Where the sickos were despicable, and that's why we scream. Yes, ah, 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 ah. Yes! Monday night match, Thornton was back. Yuki Moto yelling out, Joey, it's a trap. Dropping every time, sends money line. Don't leave me hanging with the unanswered five. God damn, look at daddy, he dazzled with the deflection. Freddy looking over his shoulder like he needs witness protection. Matthew's waiting while the tissues linked to his new daddy issues. Forget the fashion, both eyes like the hippie. That was the most funniest thing I have seen in Yards of Sense Twitter. James Mellish, you are a beauty. Like the work you do is fantastic. Um, <laughs> we gotta get him on. Let's get him on the show. Oh, 100%. Gotta do it. I'll, I'll send him a message. We're gonna make that happen. James Mellish, yeah, he's gonna say yes. He's coming on our show. That is that's the best <laughs> one yet. And man, he has dropped some dimes on us, but that one, holy this cow. This was so good. That's I, next level. I love it. Um, <laughs> if you want, you can check out his uh, his Twitter is Silver Seeker MTG. Uh, fantastic work. Has a bunch of stuff. Um, he, he's just a beaut. Not gonna lie. That's unbelievable. That really is like the the clever lyrics. Holy cow! That is mind blowing. They should play that at home games when we're allowed back in the building. 
That should be the goal song. I mean, <laughs> the, the thing is, though, he's from St. Louis, um, so he doesn't live in Ottawa. But man, he makes some beauts of some. Uh, he yes, makes he some, does. Oh man, I, I love his stuff. It is so fun. Oh, absolutely. We're gonna get we're gonna get him on the show. Hundred um, percent. He's gonna come on the show for sure to talk about some of these songs <laughs> and where the inspiration comes from. But the the lyrics, wow, that is some clever work. Like just the the work in there. That's in, that's insane. That's talent. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, so before we uh, wrap up the episode, I know we kind of drifted off from the flame stuff because realistically, it's very much the same thing. It's important to win. Don't lose. Play solid hockey. <laughs> it's a four point swing. They're gonna puck, come at pucks you hard. In deep. Yeah, Get pucks, pucks in deeps. Deep. Yeah, first on puck. All that. All that good stuff. Um. So, uh, I guess practice is over for the team. Uh, so here's some quotes uh, from DJ Smith according to TS 1200. Stutzel is good enough to play any position, but you don't want him to put in a place where it would hurt his development. He hasn't really played center in two years, didn't in Germany, and didn't at the World Juniors. So, my, personally, I don't see them moving him back to center. I think that's kind of DJ being like, he might be. He might just be a left winger. Yeah, it's it's a constant debate. Honestly, I think they'll try it. Dzingel's going to come in. We've got another left winger that you're going to want in the lineup, and whether you want him playing fourth line or not, I'm not sure. We can't get stuck on the numbers. We we talk about that all the time. Numbering the lines, like last game, we seen Austin Watson play a lot because he had a good game. Um, so you know, traditional fourth liner, but he was out there hitting people and creating offense. So. Um, don't get too too hung up on the lines. I agree with you. I think long-term, I see Tim Stutzla as a left winger, not a center. Um, but I do think they're going to try it on at least. So I do feel like near the end of the season, um, at, at the later stages of the season, we're going to see Stutzla try at center, maybe not play as well, and then go back to left wing. Yeah, that's fair. I can see that happening. Another quote uh, with our boy Logan Brown. Uh, the plan is for him to skate today. Uh, with the extras, obviously, with Mandalosi and whatnot, uh, with Willannon, to work on some skill stuff and to see where we're at. And he's going to practice tomorrow, I guess, with the main crew, uh, see where we are. He has to practice with us and get up to pace. So could we see Logan Brown make his season debut on Sunday after, or Saturday afternoon or Monday night? That's, a, that's to be determined. But it sounds like he will be in the lineup uh, within the next th- uh, this series at some point. There you go. And and how about, I, I don't see any update on Hogberg. He's week to week. So, so I guess, could we see a Decord start then? I don't think so. I think possibly Monday night. I see Decord getting the, the Monday night nod and putting in Murray back in on, on Tuesday night against Montreal in Montreal. Some of that might depend on how well Matt Murray plays in this series, so... You know, if he's really struggling, will they hesitate to give Joey Decord his second ever NHL start? Probably not. If he plays really well, they probably don't want to mess with, with, you know, what's going on and take him out of the net. So he probably gets all the games. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I don't know if they'd be willing to – honestly, I could see them resting, calling up Mandalozzi on Monday night and having Decord start. Mandalozzi as the backup to make sure that – Whatever happens, Man- Murray doesn't play, so he can play on the Tuesday night in Montreal 
Uh, that way, if there's anything, like he doesn't have to worry about playing kind of what Toronto's done with Anderson from time to time. I think that's a smart thing to do. So I would not be surprised if Ottawa does it as well. And, you know, also kind of breaking news is that the WHL is um, getting going again. Yeah. Uh, do you see Ridley Gregg as a guy who's going to go back? Or do you think he's just good enough to play pro in Belleville if they ever get going again? Uh, well, they've released the schedule. That's something we want, I mean, we're going to talk about oh, in a good. bit. Good. Um, but, no, Ridley Gregg has to go back to the WHL. He's 18. He has no choice but to go back, unfortunately. Unless they sign him to ELC. Unless it, well, no, he's already signed. He just has to play oh. in Ottawa. It's either Ottawa or Brandon. Right, right. He has no choice. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. he's he either in Ottawa or Brandon right now. And I think he's at, like, Brandon has them on their, like, Brandon Weekings have him on his on the roster. So I'm expecting him back in Brandon to have play the 24 games in the, in the Regina bubble. That's kind of too bad because I know um, just from hearing things and, and seeing some video, I didn't watch the Belleville games, but from hearing everyone, he was the most impressive player. Him and Formington definitely created, like, him, Formington, and Shaw was the best line. Like, him and Formington started to play really well. They kind of created this bond uh, or the chemistry with each other relatively quickly. And it's why I was saying I think Ridley Gregg could be, if Pinto doesn't go pro next year, I would not be surprised if Ridley Gregg pushes to see a nine, like, at least nine games uh, next season. Wow, that'd be a huge jump for uh, for someone like Ridley Gregg. He's such a small guy, but he plays with such a like like a feisty style. Uh, he kind of fits right into the Sen system. But yeah, from what I've heard, he's been extremely impressive. I've seen some video clips, and he just looks silky smooth. Like his hands are so much better than I would have given him credit for. So uh, we'll yeah. see if that becomes another Shane Pinto 2.0 situation. He has the chance, in my opinion, to, to be a top six center. And I think, you know, Logan Brown has looked at it being like, okay, I need to show them that I can play. Hmm. Uh, because you have really good, you have Shane Pinto, you have Colin Way, you have uh, Josh, Josh Norris. Norris. Yeah, it's Tim Stutzla, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty trying to crowded. get started there. You need to, yeah. you need to kind of figure it out yourself. Um, but... You know, if he doesn't, if he comes in and has a really solid uh, couple of games, I don't see him going back to Belleville. He'll be up in Ottawa the remainder remainder of the year. Yeah, that that's definitely a possibility, and that would be yeah, that would be another huge development for uh, for a young Senators player. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but uh, to see Stepan leave the, after starting to play so well. Uh, due to injury, but if this is the chance that Logan Brown, you know, needs to get into the lineup consistently, then I mean, uh, it, you gotta look at the positive, right? No, I know. There's a there's actually a couple positives. I mean, Logan Brown coming in, getting an opportunity he otherwise probably wouldn't have. Um, so maybe one last look to see Logan Brown and what he can do before being traded, or it's a, an opportunity here for Logan Brown to. Um, kind of gel with this group and maybe fit in amongst his peers. I know Kachuk and Logan Brown dropped the mitts in practice uh, before the season started. So I don't know if there's, you know, really a fit with this group um, for Logan Brown, but we'll see. It, it could have just been a spur of the moment kind of thing, but uh, it could have also been stemming from something that we don't know about. So. Yeah. And just so we all know, uh, it is, an, it was announced yesterday when the, you know, uh, that 
Belleville will be playing out of the CTC for the remainder of the year. There you go. So, so they'll play right in Ottawa. So easy for call-ups anyway. You don't have to travel anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so Belleville's, Belleville's remaining schedule was released the other day after being given permission from the Ontario government, them and Toronto, to play home games. So we have, we have our first game against the Stockton Heat, the Calgary Flames uh, affiliate, which is usually in Stockton, uh, California, uh, on Wednesday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. in the Canadian Tire Centre. Then we play Manitoba uh, that weekend, the March 5th and March 6th, and then Laval twice, all at home. So we have about six games, five games at home before going back on the road to play Laval, and then we have more games at home against Toronto. So... This, this is good news for Belleville. It's kind of unfortunate that we won't be able to watch them. <laughs> like, I kind of wish TSM would be like, hey, we'll, we'll broadcast some of these games. I wish. being Definitely being an outsider, you know, who doesn't have access to the local channels that I know they occasionally play Belleville games on. That, you know, I've never really been able to watch them on TV. Um, I know you could subscribe to AHL TV and pay a price for that. But with all the other subscriptions I have, it's, you know, it's a lot of extra I used to go and watch them in person. I used to love watching uh, Belleville games live. Um, but, you know, aside from that, I, I could see Ottawa making a bit of a minor league move because guys like Logan Brown and Brandstrom that they anticipated being on the Belleville squad, big parts of that team are going to be playing in Ottawa this year. So uh, I could see them trying to acquire someone for Belleville specifically. And I know Shane's just fixing his mic situation there, so... Yeah, uh, something just got disconnected, so I'm just trying to fix that up real quick. But it's almost at the end of the show. But uh, overall, I mean, it makes sense to have Belleville playing in Ottawa. Like, you're not having fans, so there's no reason to rent out the arena in in Belleville for however many games. just makes sense. Melnick owns the arena. He doesn't have to pay anything outside of operating costs. It's cost-saving for everyone. But, yeah, it's unfortunate that we can't see Belleville more often. But I, I was excited to go for some games this year, but hopefully next year we'll be able to get some things going. Um, and do you, do you see the Senators making a minor league deal to bring in some of what they lost in maybe Logan Brown and, and Eric Brandstrom? For the I think Bell so. Bell I mean, there's definitely players out there that fit the bill that they could sign or you know maybe some former 67s that they can get can come in. Like there is plenty of players in the Ottawa area that they could probably sign to, you know, AOTs or or whatever if they have to. Yeah, absolutely. I I could see them doing something like that just to kind of strengthen that team. They didn't have a very good start, so it would be nice to see them, um, you know, learning to win as well, just like the big squad. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens. Um, before we uh, before we head off. Uh, Brady Kachuk spent yesterday's day off with the team dentist, Dr. Henry. He did a great job. He chipped three teeth. Um, He fixed those and gave him a root canal. Saved all three teeth. So he's looking fresh today. That's from Brady Kachuk. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, that guy is a friggin' warrior. Uh, We we talked about it earlier. We talk about it all the time. He's definitely the next captain. We'll have to see what that contract looks like. But man, the more you see Brady Kachuk leading in all these underlying categories and shots on goal, we talked about last last uh, episode, leading in shots on goal and high danger chances and penalties drawn, uh, all these underlying numbers. And, and it's starting to happen too for him on the ice in terms of points. 
Um, he's leading the charge on this team, and there's no question about it. Agreed, a hundred percent. And hopefully, it, hopefully we see a C on his jersey next year and whatnot. But that'll be all for today's fo- uh, today's episodes, folks. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, remember, customizesports.com. Use promo code sends already get ten percent off of your order. Uh, check out uh, DraftKings. You get use promo code THPN for your new members. And if you're in the auto area, check out the Wellington Diner, number one shop for your game day uh, game day food. Uh, they're on Skip the Dishes. You can call for a takeout and uh, whatnot. Definitely a good place. One of my favorite uh, diners, restaurants in the Ottawa area. Uh, and remember, guys, stay safe. Thank you all for coming and follow us. Sends our sends, sends underscore our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Myself, Shannon underscore Ryan ninety seven, Derek Dealey 75 and we'll catch you back here Sunday night with uh, with some Calgary Flames recap and what to expect going forward with the third game against Calgary and the game against Montreal. Thank you all. Stay safe. We'll catch you later. The sickest place, sickest team, but you can cure a disease. Call the doctor, call an ambulance, but it's not for me.